Thank you for joining the Element Church Podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. Well, what's the most important question in life? Well, what do you think it is? Is it coffee or no coffee? It's an important one. And I make no apologies saying I will judge you based on your answer. How about dogs or, or cats? And you can't say both. That's like good versus evil right there. Or, or what about any team on the planet or the Patriots? Uh, that's a, a really important question. The reality is it, it wouldn't take us long to, to think of some actual serious questions that are very important in, in life, but they're not the most important question. So today, as we wrap up the sermon series we've been in called Why I Struggle to Believe in God, I want to answer for us the most important question in life. Before I do that, though, I do want to introduce myself to anybody who might be new and joining us online today. My name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. I love coffee because it is God's gift to us. Dogs for sure, because all cats are evil. And please, please, anyone but the Patriots. And in case you're wondering, I did cheer for the Broncos last Sunday with their big win. Due to the first snowstorm that we are experiencing in Cheyenne uh, and because of our already depleted volunteer teams, uh, we thought it was best today to go ahead and cancel our in-person gatherings and offer online church as well. I'm so thankful that we have this avenue to continue living out our vision. We exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships and make a lasting impact. And that can still happen online today for you. And uh, if, you're, uh, if you're someone who is normally not able or comfortable attending uh, an in-person gathering yet, we do offer this online every Sunday. And again, just to be cautious with the snow today and the prediction of more snow, and because our volunteer teams are already pretty low, um, we just thought it'd be best to not have our in-person gatherings today. So thanks so much for joining us online. Next week, I am super excited about a, a brand new three-part sermon series we are starting called Sabbath. The Sabbath is something that God really convicted me on this year. I can honestly say it has become one of the most life-giving and life-changing spiritual disciplines in my life that I've ever put into my life. It's changed uh, Sabrina, my wife and I's life for the better. And I'm going to take three weeks uh, to share with you many of the things we've learned uh, through practicing the Sabbath. I believe this series will be refreshing. It will be encouraging and maybe even a little convicting as well, but don't let that scare you. I think we're all gonna see that the Sabbath is so much more powerful, so much deeper, and so much better than we could possibly imagine. Throughout this series that we've been in, we've, we've walked through some of the major objections to Christianity, major questions and doubts that people have about the faith, about Christianity. And I'll say it again, it's okay to have questions and doubts. I'm the pastor here, and I've been honest with you about mine. I actually believe our questions and our doubts can deepen our faith in God. 
And even if, if you're watching, you're with us, and, and your questions and doubts lead you or have led you to not believe in God, man, we still love you and we will honor you whether you ever put your faith in God or believe what we do about him. And I want to remind us today as well with this message, or if you go back and, and get caught up on, on YouTube, the, the watch page on our website or on our podcast, that we are merely with everyone of these subjects in the series, scratching the surface in the very little time that we have, trying to point you in the right direction for some further information. Hundreds of books have been written on uh, these subjects, both for and against the existence of God throughout the years. We've done our best in the short time that we have to to give you a general overview of of each subject and then let you know where you can find some more information. We do have a number of books that we will keep available in the Element Store, or if you want to buy them online, take a picture of these books here. I have read and recommend every one of these books. They're super helpful on every subject. The Problem of God by Mark Clark, Christianity for People Who Aren't Christians, James Emery White, Confronting Christianity with Rebecca McLaughlin, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, and then The Reason for God from Timothy Keller. I've read and recommend every one of those books and would highly recommend that you pick those up if you need them as well. As I said today, I want to answer the most important question in life. So are you ready? Uh, If you're ready, Type ready in the chat box or say ready to the person who's with you. If you were here in person, I would ask everyone to say ready if you are. And even if you're not, I'm still going to roll with this anyway. Here's the big question we have for today. It's the most important question in life. And it's this, how can Jesus be the only way to heaven? How can Jesus be the only way to heaven? That question should trouble us, by the way. Even as Christians, that question should should trouble us. Because if Jesus is the only way to heaven, the only way to eternal life, the only way to avoid being separated from God for eternity as our faith describes, if that is true, then many people, and including people that, that we dearly love will not spend eternity with God. So that question should trouble us. It troubles me, and I think it should trouble you as well. So how can Jesus be the only way to heaven? It's a great question, and it's one we have to answer in our faith. Now, For some of you, you may not like the answer that there is, and it's deeper than you think. It's way more than just, well, the Bible says so. It's actually even deeper and better than that. And the only way for us to answer our big question is to answer this question. We've got to answer, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? That will answer for us the question, how could he be the only way to heaven? And the first thing I want us to see here, and you might think this is like trivial or duh or baseline or, or whatever, but we've got, to, we've got to understand this. Number one, he was a real person. Jesus was a real person in history. 
We've got to start there. We know it's undeniable that Jesus was a real person. Uh, every, by the way, every major religion, every one of them, they believe this, that Jesus was, was real. They may not believe that he was who he says he was or is who he says he is or that he's the only way to heaven, but they believe he existed. Many of the world's major religions even called Jesus a, a, a great teacher or even one of their, their prophets. Also, every legitimate scholar and historian, no matter what they believe about God, heaven, or, or how you get there, like no legitimate scholar or historian denies there was a man named Jesus, the one that we read about in the Bible, and he existed on the earth at a specific point in history. Like no one denies that. There's just too much historical evidence. Uh, evidence from first and second century Greek historians even first and second century Jewish and Roman historians, the very ones who killed Jesus, document his life in their own historical writings. Without even including the eyewitness accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament portion of the Bible, without even including them, we would still know from, from historical documents that miracles were attributed to Jesus. We would know that after his public ministry, he was executed, being uh, nailed to a, to a cross by the Romans at the hands of the Jewish leaders. And we would know just from history that on the third day after his execution, there was an empty tomb. The, the stone was rolled away and Jesus was not there. This is all recorded in other places besides the Bible. Now, what happened to the body of Jesus is another question in, in history. But whether the tomb was empty is, is not debated at all. Which, by the way, I've been to both locations in Israel where it's believed Jesus could have been buried. And in both locations, there is no body. If you go to the garden tomb, pictured here on, on the screens, you can actually go into the tomb itself. Like pictures cannot even begin to, to capture how incredible this moment is when you walk into the tomb where it's believed Jesus was buried and there is no body there. In fact, if you get the chance to go to Israel, you can't escape the footprint of Jesus on history. Uh, by the way, shameless plug here, but if you want to go to Israel, uh, I'm going to be leading a, a trip in March of 2022. Uh, we have some brochures available. Uh, when you come back to church in person next Sunday, we've got some brochures for that trip out in the lobby. Uh, or you can go to my website. It's the easiest thing to do. Just go to jeffmanis.com. There's an Israel trip link on there to get all the information you need to go uh, in March of 2022. So plenty of time to prepare and save. But if you ever the chance to go. It is, it is faith changing to see how Jesus marked history literally in a country on our planet. 
So every major religion and scholar believes that Jesus existed. We have first and second century uh, Jewish, Greek, and Roman historians who document the historicity uh, of Jesus. And we not only have the, the four eyewitness accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but, but secular documents accounting for his life, his miracles, and his claimed resurrection. So, so where do we go next? We, we know he was a, a real person. This leads right into the second thing I think we should know about Jesus to answer the question, how can he be the only way to heaven? Well, we know he's a real person. Got to ask who Jesus is. Number two is this. He caused radical transformations. Jesus caused radical transformations in people's lives. After the empty tomb, Every one of the disciples who were left, minus Judas, who took his own life, but after the resurrection, every one, not just one or two of the disciples, but every one, they were telling people everywhere all the time that Jesus was alive and they would all eventually be, be persecuted and die for their faith in Jesus. These were the same disciples who every one of them ran away in fear on the night that Jesus was arrested. Peter himself, the, the one that Jesus chose to be the leader of his early church three different times on the night Christ was arrested. Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. One time he lied to a teenage girl that he ever even met Jesus. And then they were hiding behind locked doors when Jesus appeared to them three days later. So those same disciples, fearful, cowardly, running away, they were now bold and courageous followers of Jesus after the resurrection. But that was Peter and the disciples. Uh, we, we might throw that one away saying, well, they already followed Jesus before the resurrection. So that's not really evidence. So could there be specific examples of people who were radically transformed by Jesus after the resurrection that might help us know about who, who Jesus is? Well, you have Paul, in Christianity, we call him the Apostle Paul. He was born with the Hebrew name Saul. He was a Jewish man. He started at least 14 Christian churches that we know of. 13 of the 27 letters in the New Testament portion of the Bible were written by Paul. And the two-thirds of the book of Acts in the Bible basically follows Paul's life and ministry uh, accounted for by Luke, who was a, a traveling companion of Paul. For, uh, for the final 32 years uh, of Paul's life, he, he preached that Jesus was alive and was the only way to heaven, and he would eventually die as a martyr in 66 AD in a Roman prison because of his faith and preaching about Jesus being alive. But Paul wasn't always this great man of faith or Christian influence. Some of you know this. Paul was a Pharisee, the, the highest you could go really in, in Jewish teaching and, and learning, the, the same group of people who had Jesus killed. 
Paul was alive when Jesus was killed and would have agreed wholeheartedly with the execution of of Jesus. And then after the news began to spread that Jesus was alive and people began to follow the ways of Jesus, Paul became the leader of a movement to wipe out Christianity from the face of the earth. He hated Jesus before he met him. He hated people who followed Jesus and did everything he could to literally wipe them out. So what happened? What happened to Paul to make him into such a great man of Christian faith? Well, in Acts 26 in the New Testament, Paul tells us his story actually standing before his own accusers arrested for his faith in Jesus. He shares his testimony, Acts 26, 9 through 15. I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priests, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison, and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. One day, I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests. About noon, as I was on the road, a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, his his Hebrew name, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. And from that point on, Not only did Paul believe in Jesus, but he followed Jesus and committed his life to telling everyone everywhere that Jesus was indeed alive, that he was the Messiah, the one the Jewish people were waiting for, and that by faith in him, you too could live forever, have eternal life with God. That's a transformation, but maybe the most radical and most convincing transformation of all is James, author of the book of James in the New Testament portion of the Bible. James describes himself this way, James 1 verse 1. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad, greetings. Now, Why is this significant? (laughs) Because this wasn't just some random dude named James who believed in God so much he called himself a slave of God, a slave of Christ Jesus. No, this was James, the the brother of Jesus, the the son of Mary and and Joseph, as recorded in Mark 6, verse 3. And, And look what we know about the brothers of Jesus. John, the best friend of Jesus, records this happening in his life, John 7, three through five. And Jesus' brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Even his brothers that the people who lived with him didn't believe. That included James. They they could see he was doing miracles, 
but they did not believe he was who he said he was, God in the flesh. Which, which do you blame them? <laughs> do you blame them? Uh, for those of you with, with siblings, what would your siblings have to do to convince you they were God? Maybe rise from the dead? And it's not just they didn't believe in him. They thought he was out of his mind. Mark 3, 21 says this, when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. Uh, I'm sorry, our brother is a lunatic. That's what they believed. But not only did James put his faith in Jesus after the resurrection, he became one of the most respected and trusted Christian leaders in the early church. And it's not like the disciples, Peter, Paul, or, or James, the, like they, they stood anything to gain by, by following Jesus, at least nothing to gain on, on earth. All of them, all of them ended up dying a martyr's death for their faith with really nothing to their name, nothing to their name on earth. So how can Jesus be the only way to heaven? Well, we have to answer the question, who is Jesus? And we, we know he's a real person. Uh, that's undeniable. We, we see that in history. We, we know there was radical transformations by people who put their faith in them, the disciples, Peter, Paul, and James, and then millions of others throughout history. But that doesn't prove anything. Doesn't answer the question. The, the, the third thing we have to see, and this is where the rubber meets the road. Jesus made ridiculous claims. He made ridiculous <laughs> claims, such ridiculous claims that the answer either has to be he's the only way or he's not. For starters, he claimed to be God, not, not a God or, or a prophet of God or a representative of God. Jesus claimed to be God. It's what eventually got him killed. John 8 verse 24, again, the best friend of Jesus while on the earth records Jesus saying this, that is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Leave that up on the screens for a second because I want to address that here. Uh, this is one of the many places where Jesus claimed to be God. In fact, in the original language, um, the, uh, the Greek language this was written in, it actually stops at the phrase I am and doesn't add who I claim to be. Who I claim to be was added in English so that we would understand what's being said here. But in the original Greek language it was written, it actually says, that's why I, said that I say to you, for the, you will die in your sins for unless you believe that I am, stop, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe I am, you'll die in your sins. Do you recognize the phrase, I am? Do you know that phrase? Uh, I am is the name that God gave himself all the way back in the book of Exodus when Moses asked God, if I go back to the people of Israel and tell them that you are sending me to free them from their slavery, who should I say sent me? Exodus 3.14, 
God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And ever since then, I am has been synonymous with God to the Jewish people. It's no wonder they killed him. This was blasphemy of the highest proportion to the Jewish faith. And it's not the only time he said it. Later on in the book of John chapter eight, he says it again, only this time he goes one step further and claims that he has been alive since before Abraham. John 8 verse 58 says this, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. Meaning I have always existed. I am God. I might have put some skin on, but I have always been and I always will be. That before Abraham was even born, I am God. And because he claimed to be God, it should be no surprise to us that he claimed to be the only way to heaven. It's one of his ridiculous claims. The only way to be with God for eternity. John, again, his best friend, records him saying this, John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one can come to the Father, can get to heaven, can experience eternal life, can spend eternity with God. No one except through me. Those are, are some of dozens of places where Jesus makes seemingly ridiculous claims about himself if they aren't true. So what do we do with that? That really is the question. You see, I have a confession to make. I lied. I lied in this sermon. So forgive me, forgive me, Lord. And here's how I've lied. It was a setup. The most important question is not how could Jesus be the only way to heaven? And it's not even who is Jesus. It's actually way more personal than that. When the crowds of Jewish people were crying out to Pilate, the Roman governor who gave the final order to, to crucify Jesus, when they were crying out for Pilate to release another prisoner named Barabbas, Instead of releasing Jesus, Pilate asks the most important question in life. Matthew, one of the 12 disciples, records this, Matthew 27, 22. Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked the most important question in life. And it's this, what will I do with Jesus. What will I do with Jesus? In light of what we've seen today, we all have to answer this question. What will you do? You have to make a choice about Jesus. And it is an eternal choice. Yet some people ask, and legitimately so, this good question. This is a good question. Well, why can't Jesus just be a way to heaven? 
Why does he have to be the only way? Can't there be more than one way to heaven? More than one way to eternal life? To which I would say this. If Jesus is not the only way to heaven, then he can't even be a way to heaven. And here's why. We already saw it. He claimed to be God. Not a God, but the God. The only way to eternal life. The only way to heaven. He claimed he lived before Abraham did. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ walked the earth. I mean, when you look at the claims of Jesus about himself, every single one of us are left with only three options. Only three. And listen, I know we've thrown a lot at you in this series. I know I've thrown a lot at you in our short time today, but I'm asking you wherever you're watching to, to lean into this moment right now, to lean in and, and really grapple with these three options about Jesus. Your, your first option is this, he's a lunatic. He, he wasn't God, but he really believed that he was. So he presented himself to be God in the flesh. That's what his family, including his brother and eventual follower, James, believed. He's out of his mind. That's an option. I mean, if he, if he wasn't God, but believed he really was, he's a lunatic. Your second option is this, he's a liar. That Jesus knew he wasn't God or even a God, but he presented himself to be. That's an even scarier option than being out of your mind. That, that he would intentionally deceive and lead people astray by speaking things he, he never knew, he, he knew were untrue and, and leading people knowing that if they followed him, they would also be put to death following this radical guy claiming to be God. Yet even with those two options, lunatic or liar, and only one option left, people say things like, well, I don't believe Jesus is God or the only way to heaven, but I do accept him as a great moral teacher or a good prophet. Really? Really? Like, just think about that for a second. He claimed he was God and that he was the only way to get to heaven. So if he wasn't God, he was either out of his mind, a lunatic, and, and you would be willing to take life advice from someone who probably should have been locked up to protect people, or he was a liar, an outright liar of epic proportions, and you're willing to trust that liar and follow his teachings on morality? For real? He's a good moral teacher? A prophet? Who was either a lunatic or a liar? The reality is, 
Jesus is either a lunatic and should not be trusted, he is a liar who should never be believed or followed, or he is who he says he is, the Lord, God in the flesh, King of all kings, who died in our place and rose from the dead and said, if you put your faith in me, I'll forgive you of your sins, I'll give you new life today, power to live your lives for me and with me every day. And then one day by faith in me, you will live with me forever. That's the option we have. There are only options, lunatic, liar, or Lord. What other options are there based on who Jesus is and what he claimed about himself? C.S. Lewis, author of Mere Christianity, said this about God, about Jesus. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So let me ask you again the most important question in life. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do? You have to make the choice. And let me ask you, what is it worth? What's it worth? Like, let's say you don't believe Jesus is God. He's not the only way to heaven. He's not the only way to experience eternal life, that that there either is no afterlife or there are any number of ways we can get there. Well, if you're right and I'm wrong, I've lost nothing. I'll still be in heaven. I'll still experience eternal life, whatever that is. But if I'm right and you're wrong, if Jesus is who he says he is, God in the flesh, the only way to heaven, the only way to be forgiven of our sins and filled with his Holy Spirit, empowered to live for him and by believing in him and following him, I will one day spend eternity with him. If, if I'm right and you're wrong, you've lost everything. You've lost everything if I'm right. And you're wrong. So what will you do with Jesus? No matter where you're watching from, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, or if you've abandoned your faith in Jesus and you want to put your faith back in him, I want to lead you in a prayer. This prayer does not save you. Jesus saves you. But this prayer expresses your faith in Jesus, who is God. Just repeat this prayer after me silently in your heart. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe he is who he says he is, God in the flesh, the only way to heaven, died in my place and rose again. So Jesus, I put my faith in you. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean, make me new. I I repent of the way I have lived. I turn now to follow you in, in a new way. 
I receive from you salvation. Please live in my heart. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. I will do my best to love you back. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, no matter where you're watching or listening, if you prayed that prayer to put Jesus, put, put, to put your faith in Jesus, ask him into your heart. I'm so proud of you. And God is proud of you. All of heaven's rejoicing. And we want to celebrate with you as well. If you're watching on the church online platform, just click the button that says, I commit my life to Jesus. Uh, no matter where you're watching from, if you did that, we want to welcome you, celebrate with you, offer you some free resources. Just text the word one to the number on your screen, 41400. Text the word Word one to four one four zero zero, and we want to celebrate with you. If you need prayer for something today, and you're on the church online platform, uh, just click the prayer link that's available as well, and one of our church online prayer team members will pray for you in whatever need you have going on. I hope this series has been helpful for you. I know it's been helpful for me in deepening my own faith as we walk through these questions and doubts next week, starting a brand new sermon series called Sabbath. I think it's gonna be really, really good for us and for our church. I love you guys. Stay warm, stay safe. We'll see you next week.